0: So as I mentioned at the beginning of this service, we're wrapping up a series this morning. Over the summer, Pastor Mack and I have worked all the way through the book of Ephesians. We did this in two separate series. We started out with Ephesians 1 to 3, which is really focused on how God saves us and what our salvation looks like. And we called that series, The Gift of Grace. And then about halfway through the summer, we came to Ephesians 4 to 6, and we started a second sermon series, The Practice of Peace. And we looked at at how Ephesians leads and guides us in living, flourishing, stable, loving, joyful lives of peace. And we're wrapping that up today. And then, again, as I mentioned at the beginning of this service, next week we're starting a new sermon series, One Healthy Church. Pastor Stan Mast is going to be here next week. He's going to preach on Acts chapter 2 and reflect on, and at that point, just after Pentecost, what did the church look like And then I'm going to be in September taking us back to Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll be taking another look at what it means for us to be one healthy church body. There'll be a little bit of a different angle on it than Pastor Matt gave us when he walked through those texts, but as we look ahead, we're going to be continuing to reflect on who we are as a church, and what that really means is who God has made us and who He shapes us to be. But now we come to the end of Ephesians. We'll read Ephesians 6 from verse 10 to 24. Finally, finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I, as I should." Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. This is the word of the Lord. So we could spend a whole summer looking just at this text, and we're not, we couldn't possibly dig into all the details, and we're not going to try to do that today. What we're going to do is look at the big picture, look at, look at what Paul is trying to accomplish in this text, and look at how the Holy Spirit intends us to hear this. So we're just doing kind of an overview big picture today. And I want to start by talking a bit about pregame speeches, pregame speeches, pregame speeches. I played middle school basketball for a few years, and and every year we had a couple games on our schedule that, that we looked forward to with complete and utter dread. We had to play Smiley Middle School, and Smiley's team was really good. They're tall, they're fast. I think they were born with basketballs in their hands. And so they show up and they're tall, and they're fast, and they all come in, dribbling basketballs between their legs, doing almost magical things. And and our coach gathers us for the pregame speech, and he says, Guys, this year we got it. I know they beat us last year. I know they beat us at their home court, but we're home. We got it. So Adam, take the ball to the hoop every time. John, own the paint. Be in the middle. Troy, every time you got an open three, open three, open three take the shot. And Matthew... Don't get in the other guy's way. Just, just stay out of the way, all right? All right. And we, you know, we really appreciated the pep talk and the confidence he expressed, but we all knew that he was lying through his teeth. So we start the game, and we do our best, and we try, and we try, and Adam is trying to take it to the basket, and John is trying to block shots, and I'm trying to stay out of the way. And, and we get to halftime, and we walk out of the gym, and the coach stands there for a minute at the bench and looks at the scoreboard, takes a deep breath, walks out to us in the hallway. And we all stand there for a minute looking at our feet and the coach is doing the same thing. And then he looks at us and says, Guys, 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 it's, it's really bad when you get shut out at home in basketball. New strategy. Let's score at least some points. Friends, it was 30 to zero at halftime. There was a reason we were dreading that game. And we actually weren't, as middle school basketball teams go, we weren't a terrible team, but the situation we were facing was was insurmountable. There was no way, no way we were ever going to win that game. And as we looked forward at the beginning of the game and as we looked forward at halftime, we we knew we were going to be defeated. Now, Paul has just spent five and a half chapters talking to these people at Ephesus, and he's talked about God's amazing grace and how, how apart from what we did when we were still sinners, God poured out His grace on us and made us His children. And he's talked about a number of different ways that we can live out this new life of Christ, that we can, that we can thrive and flourish and live in a way that on our own we could never hope for. But you could see the church at Ephesus, or the, the churches that this letter first went to, you could see people about this point going, uh-huh, yeah, that, that, that sounds great, but, but we know what's out there. And what was out there was Ephesus. And Ephesus was a city of power. It was a, a city of cultural power, of economic power, of, of governmental power, of, of religious and spiritual power. It was a place that would squash you and not even notice. And so this little group of Christians gathered to hear this letter. Really? Really? Can we go out and win? Really? Can we go out and and experience this grace and peace that you've been talking about? Paul wrote this letter from prison, as you probably picked up as we read through, and, and his listeners would have had to expect that that was the trajectory for their lives, too. There was a good chance they were headed for jail. And how do you practice grace and peace when that's, when that's your world? Our lives these days are, are pretty good, even in these hard times. But these are hard times. As we've prayed about, as we've talked about this morning, COVID cases are rising again here, around the world. We continue to face really difficult decisions about what we can and and can't do and and how we function in in a pandemic. And Haiti is a disaster, a country where the president was recently assassinated, where there's political chaos, and and now there's an earthquake. and, And how in the world will people cope in Afghanistan? Afghanistan, where, where the Taliban has, has taken over in the blink of an eye, where Christians are likely to face imprisonment, persecution, death, this is the world we live in. And just like always, maybe a little more so it feels like these days, but just like always, the world is full of trouble. And Paul, by the Holy Spirit, recognizes this. And so when he comes to this last section of Ephesians, he gives gives a pregame speech. He's given the Ephesians all kinds of things to to reflect on and to live according to. And now when he gets to the end, he wants to pump them up to get out there and live the Christian life. And commentators have looked at this text the last few years, and they think that it actually is pretty much literally a pregame speech. It fits with the form that that generals would give to their soldiers before they went into battle. And it it fits with some instructions that you'd see before athletic contests that, thinking of the battle background, the general would go, Come on, guys! We got this! Stand against the barbarians! Defeat the evil forces! Do your homeland proud! Gain glory for yourself! Go! Fight! Stand! And that is what Paul is... giving to us. That's what the Holy Spirit is giving to us as we come to the end of this book. It's it's a pregame speech. It's a call that this, you've heard the strategy. Now go out and do it, and you can do it. God's grace saves us. God's peace transforms us. Live it out. Live it out. And there's two there's two overarching commands or two overarching focus points in this section. We'll we'll start with the one that's a little more muted, but but Ephesians tells us to take your stand against the devil. Verse 11 tells us to take your stand against the devil. And then verse 12 expands on that and says, "For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil." in the heavenly realm. That is a list. That is a list that you do not want to play against. But that is the reality that we face as Christians. And the Lord tells us to take our stand. And the word that's used, the the struggle word in verse 12, gives you this sense of wrestling. Wrestling. This is our wrestling match against these very things. And over time, that word that got started in the sports realm, it it came to be used in the military realm of hand-to-hand combat. When you get into the middle of a battle and you are surrounded by your enemy and things are messy, that, that is the struggle in which Ephesians tells us to take our stand. And we need to recognize this. There's been a movement the last few decades to to read this text as as talking about really just human things, as as talking about governmental powers and and cultural expectations and and social things. And it is all of that. But what's more, this text is telling us that we we need to look with eyes to see the spiritual forces that we are wrestling against. Now, some people, some cultures overplay the spiritual forces and everything is, well, the devil made me do it. But in our culture, I think our our opposite temptation is to to pretend that everything just works on the human realm and to think that only if we're smart enough and determined enough and and if only we develop the right policies and work them out, that everything will be okay. And, And Ephesians says that is utter nonsense. We are not just fighting against flesh and blood. We are fighting against the powers and the authorities. The Bible is very honest about the level of difficulty that we face. This is not a coach saying in his mind, I know we're going to lose and it's going to be terrible, but with his mouth saying, you can do it guys, come on. This is a coach saying, yeah, yeah, the other team, they're scary. The other team has got some real power. The other team was was born with basketballs in their hands, and they are tall and they are fast, but we are still going to play this game. That is what Ephesians is calling us to, to look at the real powers arrayed against us and nonetheless to enter into the game, to step into the wrestling match, to join in the battle. Now, if Ephesians stopped there, why would we be in trouble? If Ephesians stopped there, it would be the coach saying, go out there and play, and I know you're going to get slaughtered, but go out there and do it anyway. None of us were Michael Jordan. Not even close. But let me ask you this question. How would that halftime speech change if Michael Jordan did walk through the door of that middle school gym? And he said, I'm on your team. Let's go get them. How does 30 to 0 look now when Michael Jordan's on your team? A little better maybe? Well, that's where Ephesians takes us next. Don't just take your stand against evil, but but as it tells us over and over again, stand firm in the full armor of God. Stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm. firm. Four times, Ephesians tells us to stand firm. And it tells us to do that in the full armor of God. Now, we could unpack every single article of the armor, and there's some good to that, but I don't want to do that today. I want us just to think about that picture of us having the complete armor of God. And there's there's a picture I've usually had of that, that as I dug into this text this week, I think it's right, but incomplete. And I've usually pictured this as, as God lining all of us up and saying, all right, all right, here, here's your belt, here's your belt, here's your belt, here's your shield, don't let it hurt your toes, here's your shield, here's your shield. And, and all of us get our own little suit of armor, and God says, okay, now go out and fight. But scholars have, have the last few years looked at this text, and what they've what they've done is they looked through Scripture is they found a number of places in Isaiah where it uses very similar language to talk about the Lord God putting on His full armor and going out to defeat evil. And it's not word for word, but it's awfully close. In Isaiah 11, 5 and Isaiah 11.5 and 59.17 are especially the verses here where it talks about the Lord putting on a suit of armor that looks an awful lot like this. And the Lord goes out, and he defeats evil. So when Ephesians tells us to put on the full armor of God, it's not just saying God made this suit of armor for us. It's saying God himself, the king of the universe, is giving us his armor. If you're into the Marvel universe, this is the Iron Man giving you his best suit, or Captain America giving you his shield, or or Thor giving you his hammer. This is Michael Jordan handing you his jersey and and somehow his jersey giving you the power to be like Mike. This is God's own armor that he gives you. And actually, there's another level to it. It's not God's armor that he gives you. It's God's armor that he gives us. You see, earlier in Ephesians the book talks to all of us as if we together are the body of Christ. Christ is our head and we are all members of Him. And so it's, it's not even that the Lord gives you His armor. It's that we all together are God's, Christ's body. And so it's not even that Christ takes off His armor and, and gives it to us. It's that Christ incorporates us into Him. And so, because we are in Christ, we together have the full armor of God. Now, I recognize that all sounds a little bit abstract, and why why does that matter? And here's how the difference in that picture matters. If God just gives us armor and then sends us out into the battle, we're, well, in some sense, we're on our own. We have to be strong. And sure, God helps, but we have to be strong. But the reality of this picture is not God giving us something and sending us out. It's God supernaturally, spiritually drawing us up into himself and then going with us. So when we are in that spiritual wrestling match against the forces and the authorities, when we are in hand-to-hand combat, def- surrounded by evil powers and feeling like we're in danger of being defeated, we are not on our own. We are all together, and we are all in Christ. That that is the point of Paul's pre-game speech. He's not trying to whip us up into a frenzy so we can go out and at least be defeated a little less badly. He is changing or expressing a real change in our reality that we have been drawn up into Christ and so we together stand in the full armor of God. Now the battle isn't yet over. It will be when Jesus returns physically for the second time. But but as we fight in this battle, we are never on our own. We are in Christ. And so God's grace is always always abundantly present to us. And so we are truly able to live in a way of peace and and security and protection because we are in Christ. Now there are times, there are times where it feels like halftime, and and we've wandered out broken and beaten and bloodied and it feels like we're behind 30 to zero and and how are we going to keep going? Life does sometimes feel that way. But it's only halftime, church. We might feel like we're behind 30 to zero. We might feel like there is no way that we can defeat the powers that are beating us down. And you know what? On our own, we're right. But we are in Christ. And Jesus Christ, the Word of God, comes to us when we are down 30 to zero and says, guys... I'm playing the second half with you. I'm going to be on the court. And we are going to win. Church, brothers and sisters, we are going to win. Stand firm in the struggle. It will be hard, but we are going to win. God's word tells us that. And as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, the Lord is is speaking to us and giving us a sign that through His broken body and blood, He strengthens us. He draws us up into His presence. He makes us one with Him so that we can stand. So that we can stand. Let's pray. Father, when we look at the world, when we look at our lives, when we look at ourselves, there is there is so much evidence of evil and trouble. Lord, so often we don't know what to do with that. And we hear the gospel and we hear the good news and we want to believe and we want it to be true, but it can be so hard for us to hold on. Lord, we pray that you open our eyes to the reality of of the battle that we face. And Father, even more, we pray that you open our eyes and you... You change our lives so that we fight not in our own strength, but in your power, decked out with your armor, fighting Fighting in the power of Christ. Lord, we ask that you give us your power, strengthen us, enable us to be your witnesses. We pray all this in your name, amen.